15, 20, 25 years out when you're thinking about your, like the mark you leave and the, the karma that you leave on this world. I think you have to look at any business, especially real estate from this holistic mm-hmm. approach. And it's also part of it is also being responsible. I mean, we're, we're developing neighborhood at the same time. We don't want to displace um, long-time residents that has a personal connection or attachment to the neighborhood. We want to make sure that we are, I mean, like Justin said, it has to pencil out. It has to make sense financially in order to get the funding that we need. Um, but at the same time, how do we make sure it's responsible enough where the community is also getting something in return? You're listening to the Philly Proper Podcast. Meet the experts developing Philadelphia's real estate market right now. If you're looking for insights into the city's changing landscape, you're in the right place. Stay tuned to hear the personal stories and experiences of developers large and small. Be sure to join the Philly real estate community and visit phillyproper.com for project information, episode highlights, and more. Welcome to Philly Proper. I'm your host, Catherine Blessington. And on today's show, I have Tioga Park Development Group. Tioga Park is a minority-owned, vertically integrated real estate company. And under their umbrella, they manage general construction, material sourcing, branding, marketing, leasing, and their investment concentration borders Philadelphia's Temple University Medical School area, known as Nice Town Tioga. And on today's podcast, I have Rahat Kamal and Justin John. Welcome, guys. I'm really excited to, uh, to chat you up today. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you, Cantor. Thanks for having us. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a wonderful time to be alive. <laughs> it is a wonderful time to be alive, yes. I think uh, now more than any other time in at least my history and presumably yours as well, it's a, it's a good time to feel healthy and um, it's a nice opportunity to chat with you guys, uh, even though we can't be in the same space right now. <laughs> Correct. Well, so, <clears throat> so how are I'm, you? I'm wonderful. You know, I've, uh, I've been speaking with a lot of real estate developers and builders in the area to kind of gauge where they've been and where they're going. And, you know, this, this quarantine situation has obviously thrown people for a loop, but, uh, but it's interesting to see that people are still making moves and doing a lot of serious planning and evaluation over, uh, over the future. And a lot of things have halted, but I think it's given people a lot of uh, opportunity to make those plans and transitions and maybe even catch up on some some work that they were lacking in before. Um, so I feel I feel pretty good about it. What about what about you guys? Are you catching up on work or uh, taxes and things like that? Uh, I think a lot of it is just definitely catching up. Um, but I feel like now that we're in probably week three of quarantine, it's really about planning and figuring out um, what our next moves are or even how to best navigate during this time. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, just saying what Justin had said, uh, you know, given that we're in week three, I think for the most of us, the first week, two weeks, we were just kind of assessing all the damages and, and see where we stand, we know where everything is in respect to our projects. So right now, like week three, at least for me, it's been about, you know, okay, now that we've digested what's what happened and this is the new norm, how do we kind of um, not lose focus and just kind of start back up as soon as we can? Right. So what is, uh, what are you guys working on currently in, for, in and or for Tioga Park? Really, it's uh, what we're really focusing on is since we've got the, um, like, we can't work, uh, do construction work uh, in Tioga, what we're doing right now is really shifting our focus on and um, identifying potential projects as well as getting our capital stack uh, in place, um, trying to have virtual calls with investors, uh, network through, like, social media, through other online portals and kind of share our story with as many people who's willing to listen. Right. Right. So, so why Tioga park? What about that area uh, drew you to it initially? And, and how has that been going? We get that question a lot, but I'll let Justin answer it. Cause I've answered it many times. What is it about Tioga park that initially drew you to the area and how's that been going? 
Yeah, I think Raha, Raha, you can definitely speak about that because uh, I Raha and I uh, kind of met and uh, he kind of pitched me the whole Tioga, nice town Tioga area. And uh, I just saw a huge amount of value there. Um, but I think Raha has a better story about why. So I'll tell you a little story <laughs> yeah. about Tioga and, um, <laughs> and how I started in Tioga. So Tioga, um, I actually never knew Tioga for what it, you know, for Tioga. I just always knew the area. And um, it was actually back in 2008, 2009-ish um, that I had first went to Tioga. And, and the reason was... So the current building, our first acquisition in Tioga, um, which is our current office, um, we it was actually owned by one of my clients in New York City. So as you know, I'm from New York. Originally, I moved to Philly a couple of years ago. Um, we have a uh, general construction company in, in New York City. So I was expanding to Philadelphia and a client who um, who is now an investor, he had uh, mentioned, hey, I have this building. I think it would be a perfect opportunity for you to buy it and and, and, and do what you want to do. So I've always had a, uh, a long-term vision in, in creating a sense of community and, and, and development um, to bring social impact um, to, a com- to a neighborhood in ways where it's also profitable um, for as a developer i mean we're in business for for profit we're not a non-for-profit development group but at the same time there is ways to um engineer a community for it to be um impactful for for the residents as well so long story we i I purchased the building and i was like okay great so what's next it's not the best neighborhood it's obviously um you know, still a long way to go, and and given that I I personally rent in Brewerytown, I, I I sort of studied the geography of, of of what was happening in the city. Um, I mean, my first investment property was back in 2015, I believe, or 14, in, in the Temple area. So I I never went past Cecil B. Moore at the time, and and just seeing over the years how things have shifted. I have identified this neighborhood to be um, something that could be next in, in, in the sense that there's a hospital, there is um, a lot of transport, uh, public transportation connections. So just went ahead with my gut feeling, purchased the building and and just started brainstorming of, okay, how do we capitalize on, on this investment and, and, and grow out of just four or five units that I have just acquired. We had a longer term vision and that's when I pitched it to Justin. Um, Okay, so Tioga Park, and what type of developments have you guys started or are you hoping to do in that area? So this is how we started. So essentially, we purchased a a multifamily mixed use where it was two, two commercial spaces, soft office space, and two residential space plus another space where we kept it as as our office room, um, as our office conference room. So we essentially um, are into acquiring multifamily mixed use, but one of the biggest challenges in the neighborhood is everything is zoned for a single family. It's RSA 5, RSA 3 zoning. So it's always a challenge when you're trying to um, develop multifamily units. So what we have identified was a lot of vacant lots, um, oversized lots that were able to go through the entitlement work, the variances, um, and and be able to develop its highest and best use. So we have everything from a 24,000 square feet ground up project to a triplex project, and, and they're all going through variances. So you can imagine what situation we're in right now, given that ZBA is shut and, we've, and we had about two ZBA hearings and two RCO meetings that was canceled. Yeah, canceled ZBA hearings and meetings like that are definitely going to put a bit of a halt in development projects. How, uh, what type of guidance have you guys had and who are you working with to help you navigate the public sector for getting these variances? I mean, if everything's zoned for single family use, Obviously, if it's an area that is ripe for uh, increased density based on population growth, you know, um, 
community engagement and things like that, there's, there's gotta be some sort of leverage that you have is, can you tell, talk about who you've been working with or how that process has been going so far? Yeah. So a little bit about that is like, uh, we work, uh, really closely with the uh, Pritzker law group, specifically with Rachel Pritzker, mm-hmm. um, to help us navigate the legal zoning variance side of things. Uh, but I think what really, um, if you can call it leverage uh, or uh, like things that help us with the community on trying to get these variances passed through is really just our, like we're in the community. Our office is based there. Uh, we interact with community members, with other stakeholders, and we just look to kind of like, what can we do as a development group to give back to a community? You know, uh, as like Rahat's not from Philly, I'm also not from Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, like when you come into a city, it's really important to give back to the city and especially having your office there and making sure that you listen and you hear the concerns of other people. I think that's where um, like a lot of our legwork is in. Most of the times developers come into an area um, just to pitch a project and leave. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in there long for the long run. Um, and I think that's what gives us the opportunity to pitch our projects and to get some of these variances passed through. Yeah, you know, I think that's really important. And I'm, I'm glad that you guys are in that same boat. Uh, even though you're not from here, living in Philadelphia, working in Philadelphia, and specifically working in the neighborhoods that you're actually developing and evolving is huge. I think it helps build a sense of community and allows you to, like you said, you know, engage with, with the community and really listen to what their hopes are for, for projects that you guys you know, have the ability to actually create, which is awesome. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. uh, I know Hot is from New York. Justin, are you also from New York? <laughs> no, I'm from all over the place, but uh, <laughs> I am from, I am a Canadian. I'm from Toronto, Canada. Uh, I did school out there. And then uh, I went and did more school out in Montana, did that for five years, and then have been in Philly for about four years. So haven't been in Philly long enough, uh, but my wife is from Mount Laurel, so got married, stayed here. Um, and then I've recently, i only been in real estate for the past three years. Okay. So still brand new to it, but uh, I was very fortunate to get some real hands-on experience as my in my early days or when I first started yeah. learning about the space. So what did you do before real estate? How did you how did you end up here? <laughs> that 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 is a that's a that's a long story. But um I have I went to school for a bunch of different things, but I came to Philadelphia, worked at PwC as a external auditor, um, and then came to a point where uh, it wasn't the best fit for me. And I uh, was uh, one day walking the dog and I ran into one of the old partners of Argo here in Brewerytown. Mm-hmm. Uh, told him I had a lot of hand, uh, time on my hands. Um, and he took me on and I was with Argo for about a year and a half. Uh, learned the ins and outs of that and then uh, had the opportunity to kind of go off on my own. Nice. And were you and Rahat, were you, have you guys been friends for a long time or did you just meet recently? <laughs> oh, so, oh, so that story is an interesting one. So uh, I, when I started working at Argo, I took it upon myself to like, I'm a more of an introverted personality, but I took it upon myself to like document my day to day on Instagram, just go all in on social. I follow you. I and, see all, uh, your, all your daily clips. Yeah, of, like, I, and, it's more so like I'm always surprised and honored that people watch, but it's more for me to hold myself accountable throughout my day. Like, hey, I'm actually doing something. Uh, but it's uh, yeah. One day it was. I think Rahad and I have actually only known each other for since 2018, January of 2018, uh, and we connected off of social media. Like we were, I was just DMing people, engaging, trying to learn about real estate, in the DM. trying to just. Yeah, so we slid into each other's DMs, um, and uh, uh, yeah, and then we. I was like, I told my wife, "Hey, I'm meeting this random dude uh, for pizza. 
just in case here's his profile picture just like, <laughs> like hopefully nothing goes wrong uh and i'm sure uh, the same thing and then uh we tried to work on some deals together they fell through and then uh, all of a sudden rahat said hey there's this awesome opportunity um are you interested and uh i'm not necessarily i'm like a I'm not a gambling man, but I do gamble with opportunities. So I was like, yo, what the hell? Let's see what happens. And uh, the rest is history. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, I think everybody's yeah. got a unique story of how they fell in. But I think, uh, Justin, I think you and I met at an open house. Rahat, I think we met the same way, actually. Yeah, we we met actually. I think you had contacted me because I had inquired on the auto website. And then we spoke on the phone for a good amount of time. I, th- I remember we had exchanged um, what we do and, and like how we came about our careers. And and then from there we met at the auto for for the for the yeah, condo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I lived down the street from the autos, and uh, one of our friends was trying to move into the area, and I like like I knew the guys over there, like uh, through Argo, and I was like, yo, let's see if we can put the two and two together. And I actually think uh, it was Debbie's friend, my wife's friend. Oh, yeah which she ended up not going with Otto, but you did help her close. On her I own. did. Yeah. She ended up purchasing a place <laughs> over in Fishtown, I think on Almond yeah. street. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 It was, a, it was a great connection. Philadelphia is such a small, <laughs> uh, it's such a small city when it comes to community. Everybody tends to know each other, especially if you work in and around the same industry or you're a vendor for the same industry. Um, and, you know, once you live in the city, you go, you know, within a 10, bo- 10 block radius of your home, you shop in the same places, you see the same people walking their dogs. Um, so it, you know, it becomes very community oriented. So do you guys feel that way about uh, Tioga and the area that you've positioned yourself in for development? So the community is there. And, and if you just follow the history and, and what has occurred in the, in the neighborhood there once upon a time it was a, a very um thriving blue collar family oriented um community where there was a lot of retail local retail businesses um if if you look in the outskirts of the neighborhood there are a lot of vacant warehouses which um at, at one time was was given a lot of jobs to the families so that that explains a larger single family home. So there is a potential to bring that back. Now it's not there today, but I think it just needs a fr- uh, a fresh set of uh, hands and and eyes to be able to restore that. Yeah. Now, do you think uh, Philadelphia has had obviously a huge shift, just like the rest of the United States, when it comes to industry? production, you know, a lot of these old warehouse spaces that used to be used Mm -hmm. for, uh, you know, commercial space and production and jobs have been left vacant. Um, I know I've, do you think there's an opportunity for those spaces to be converted back into businesses as opposed to residential condos or apartment buildings? I think that there is an opportunity for them to be repositioned back into commercial spaces, but it really goes back to how do we help local, small, like micro, like communities survive? And that's by creating maybe more like co-working spaces or um, just like, like almost like a, like, yeah, I guess a co-working space or something like that, where you can kind of build up these small businesses or incubator sites so that they can continue to service the community. I already, like, I think from a macro level, you're already seeing um, or you were seeing before this was happening, before COVID was happening, that uh, oh, there was a lot more small businesses that were uh, operating, whether they're solopreneurs or, or maybe under 10 employees, uh, growing to service the needs of the community. Because people like to do business with people they know. So it gives uh, a lot of people opportunity to grow in these micro communities. Yeah. Yeah, I, lo- I love that idea. I, do I think this- a lot of communities that are uh, optimally positioned for development and growth need resources for small businesses and for, you know, individuals who maybe, you know, would have to travel a little bit further to get the same kind of uh, business resources or 
you know, I've seen some of these co-working spaces now offer things like recording studios and or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, equipment that they can use for videography and, and cameras and anything that might help them uh, engage a little bit more with their consumers and or. I think Rec Philly is a great example yeah. of that. Um, uh, where they uh, created a community of creatives and allow for those types of services. And then this might be a good way to also uh, introduce, we do have a third partner, Ani, uh, that's primarily based out of New York, but his whole focus is uh, he really ties the branding of our development team, but he runs a, a creative agency, focuses on small business development, and kind of is our plan is to bring that little spark back into uh, nice town Tioga where we can try to create this environment for uh, like a creative community uh, where people can work together or um, grow ideas into something more. Yeah, that's awesome. He's also he's also a manager for a, a, a hip hop artist and essentially we're looking to leverage our relationships across his platform um, from the art and the culture side of things to be able to um, bring uh, creative spaces and develop the the real estate that's required behind that that infrastructure awesome yeah that definitely sounds like a fully integrated company creative agencies that are engaged with small businesses and and uh you know leveraging their relationships to to help build up community are huge and i think it's i think it's a vital vital portion to any real estate development company so bravo that's not a that's not an easy thing to accomplish it's definitely not easy. <laughs> I, 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 and I think it's still like an evolving process. So I think, but I think we're looking at it the right way. We're, we're just like, yes, bottom line is super important. Yeah, like creating appreciation, like looking at rent rolls, like being in the numbers is, is key to any business. But I really think in order for you to thrive long term, like I'm not talking five, 15 years, 10 years out, I'm talking like, 15, 20, 25 years out when you're thinking about your, like the mark you leave and the, the karma that you leave on this world. I think you have to look at any business, especially real estate from this holistic mm-hmm. approach. And it's also, part of it is also being responsible. I mean, we're, we're developing neighborhood at the same time. We don't want to displace um, long-time residents that has a personal connection or attachment to the neighborhood. We want to make sure that we are, I mean, like Justin said, it has to pencil out. It has to make sense financially in order to get the funding that we need. Um, but at the same time, how do we make sure it's responsible enough where the community is also getting something in return? I love that. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, a lot of a lot of developers don't do that, especially, you know, we hear, especially in Philadelphia, where we've always been, I'll, I'll just speak for the, for, I'll speak for the whole city. We've always been <laughs> a little bit in the shadow of New York. Um, you know, New York is obviously the, I'd say it's the cultural epicenter of the United States. Um, and coronavirus. But uh, Philadelphia has always been a little bit of the underdog. So when we hear about developers who are, you know, coming from New York or who've done other things in New York and they're coming to Philadelphia, you know, and I've seen it firsthand with a a lot of these neighborhoods that are uh, that have developed very quickly, whether it's Northern Liberties or Fishtown um, or even Port's parts of Point Breeze and a lot of people have come in and you know built some real estate that's not the most visually appealing and and you know did it rather quickly and and made a decent amount of money doing it and that's that's great for them and it's not necessarily uh an indicator that anything was you know done to the community that was negative in any real impact of um you know that had any real negative impact but it's nice to see that you guys have insight to really engage with community and make sure that you have, uh, you know, that you're proud of the development work that you're doing. So. I also think it's, it's, it comes back to like both Rawhide and I are not from Philadelphia. So we see these areas as like kind of like areas where like Toronto, I grew up in Toronto blew up as well as how Rawhide grew up in Brooklyn and, Saw Brooklyn grow uh, like blow up. So 
we saw an opportunity here to continue to be able to be able to say like to be able to tell ourselves like hey how do we find an area and keep that culture of the community the same as it goes through this process of building and rebuilding yeah. Yeah, I think you guys are you're on the right path and you're sort of making a little niche market for yourself to really invest in the growth of Philadelphia long term, which is it's smart. And and we're in an inter I think all of us are of similar age. You know, we've seen all sorts of neighborhoods grow, whether it's Toronto, Brooklyn or Philadelphia in the last 10, 15 years. And, and you know, obviously there's been a huge spike in that development recently um, how do you guys feel about the potential of a downturn in the market um, and where that might position you for, you know, continuing on your path in that area? Well, for us, it's always been, um, I mean, given where we're investing and, and, and the market that we're in, I mean, it, it's only, as, it can't it can get lower than that, right? So for us, it's, um, it's making sure that we're investing um, with the right numbers today and and given our long-term strategy we are we're not we're not scared of a downturn in like in in two months three months six months even what we're going through right now because our strategy has always been long-term we're not looking to um flip anything sell anything uh, for us is a long-term buy hold so we we're confident in the fact that even if there is a downturn we can continue to do what our our strategy has always been and and seven ten years time we'll, we'll still we'll be in good shape. Yeah, I think it goes back to like if your horizon or your, your horizons five years out, you might feel a little nervous. If your investor basis is five years out, you might be a little nervous because like things are gonna get a lot worse before it gets better. But again, our investment thesis really with everything that we do is we're betting on like the 15, 20 years out that the moves that we're making now will benefit us then. So I think as long as you're bullish that the global economy will get back and start moving again and people become productive, like there's tons of opportunities out there. We just have to change how we move. We might not be able, like kind of like this, like doing podcasts. We actually feel during these times, we are actually doing better because our rents, our price per square foot is a lot less than it is in Brewtown. So now given someone that has probably lost a job, we they may consider moving 10 minutes north just because it has a transportation connection that it needs to get to work and they can save probably $1,000 on rent. So there's that difference that can also help us get through um, a down market if it gets to that point. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of the real estate advice that and and tidbits that I've picked up over the years say very similar things. You know, if you plan for the long term, you're going to be in a better position if you can ride those waves of the market changing. And also, depending on what type of assets you're holding on to, if you're, you know, if your rents are in that sort of $1,000 mark, um, you know, whether it's from $800 to $1,200 a month there's always almost always going to be some sort of stable consumer for that type of product where the you know the luxury is going to get hit first and then the newer construction that's priced a bit higher um in more centrally located areas is going to get hit too but it seems like you guys have a a nice little niche there with access to the you know the the subway lines that come right into center city it's really only 10 minutes outside um, close to the right. universities. Uh, so I, I think that's smart. It's an excellent position to be in right now. But right now also, just to um, give a little sense of where we are with the neighborhood, right now our our demands are really being filled by just Temple Hospital. I mean, we have uh, about a thousand graduate students over there that they they have directly said that if the product was was available for us a new product um we would live in the neighborhood so right now you're not seeing the that thousand to fifteen hundred renters in the neighborhood because the product is not there a new construction product is not there there are um new construction triplexes um in the neighborhood and and they're all filled by temple hospitals so our phase one is is essentially a hundred units for 
just Temple Hospital. So even if we don't have anybody moving from other neighborhoods, which realistically no one probably is today because of you know the lack of of the amenities that a neighborhood needs such as a supermarket um the the a business corridor with small with, with retail businesses something where like you know similar to Gerard Avenue for Brewtown we don't have those kind of um infrastructure yet to have somebody want to move to the neighborhood even if the rent is low but we're we're looking to fill the Temple Hospital community first and then and then it will start catering to other um, small businesses, small retail cafes um, in the neighborhood that will enable other renters to want to move to the neighborhood. Nice, nice. So let's talk a little bit about this project, uh, 17 North, the 24-unit mixed-use development project. Correct. So that's the project that Justin and I actually met. Um, I... I essentially identified, well, there was a property that came across and it was a tripe, it was a three story. It was priced really well. I said, hey, let me go take a look at it. So I went and took a look at it. It was a complete knockdown. And um, at the time I had told the realtor, I was like, hey, you know, if you could make the deal next door and the deal next door for me, then it'll be worth picking on um, purchasing. Otherwise it, it just doesn't make sense. Um, so, I, I ran it across Justin and um, and we we essentially ended up making a deal um, with two different owners and um, assembled the the a, a, pro a development project and um, Justin was on board and and the rest was history and and it it, it, it wasn't an easy ride but we're still um, we're still working on it. Okay. Yeah, we just what was it? I think a week before or maybe two weeks before uh we went into lockdown uh, yes right, right? I, think I think it was early march the... early march we got our zba approval for 24 units so this is the project where we knew it was it, we had anticipated it being a lot of uh, backlash um a lot of um you know people not wanting the project just given the size but ultimately, we were able to um, get community support, um, and and we got a ZBA approval for twenty four. So it's twenty three units over one one commercial space, nice, with six parking spots um, off site. Oh, sorry, off street. Nice, cool. And it looks like you guys are going to do like some green roof, uh, green roofing as well. And then like bike racks yeah. and some sustainable features as well. Yeah, so we're exploring options um, to create uh, sustainable features such as a green roof. Um, uh, we're exploring some energy products, but essentially it has uh, a it has two roof decks: one common roof deck for twenty two units, um, and there is a private roof deck for a a three bedroom unit on the top floor um, that we actually kept aside and and this, and combined a, a two bedroom and a one bedroom into one unit um, to offer that to the community um, as a as a uh, essentially we took off we, we took out one single family and we were, re we're replacing it with a three bedroom unit nice the three bedrooms are huge I think most most people in Philadelphia they look at you know, the row home stock that we have in a lot of those buildings are three bedroom, one bathroom, two story classics, you know, 15 to 17 feet wide, 40 to 60 feet deep. And that's sort of the footprint that everybody's familiar with. Um, so when you get into these apartment buildings and you can be a little bit more creative, it's nice to see that you guys are, you know, expanding and making spaces a little bit bigger, especially for families and, you know, roommates and things like that. Part of it is also like one of the biggest things that we spent a year just going to RCOs, listening to people's concerns before we even brought this project up. Um, and I think one of the feedback that we got with whether it was like any, any RCO in the city, it was that Philadelphia and like most urban cities is turning into more transient people coming in, people not having family and just leaving. So existing homeowners are not feeling like there's a place for them. So three bedrooms also creates this, invites people to stay longer, have more of that family structure, what, like however it looks like. So I think that's kind of the other aspect of why we try our best to 
incorporate some of that, like how do we get either long-term tenants or how do we um, attract people with that aren't just students or people that are coming here right. to work right. or something like that? We essentially want to create a, a diverse community where it's just not students or it's just not um, senior citizens where we can actually create a sense of community, you know, in, in, in college students and health professionals and senior citizens. So, um, and, and this kind of goes back to what I said earlier, it's responsible development. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I mean, you guys clearly have, have put a lot of time and effort um, and research into the area that you're building and why. So it's commendable. So um, why don't, Rahat, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you're doing outside of Philadelphia? I know that this, you know, our podcast is specifically for the Philadelphia area, but you're from Brooklyn. You've been doing some development projects up there. You know, Justin said in the beginning, you guys are working on, um, you know, your capital stacks. Are you doing projects outside of the city and then potentially bringing, uh, uh, you know, capital from those projects back into Philadelphia? Yeah, so um, pretty much Kamal Companies is my um, general construction and, um, and real estate development company where we're investing in multifamilies and other areas. I mean, I have investments in other areas in Philadelphia, West Philadelphia, Cobbs Creek. So essentially right now in New York, we're working um, on multiple client projects. So I specialize in gut renovations, um, townhome gut renovations, where the same typical row homes that we're rebuilding in Philadelphia, there are a lot of those in Brooklyn. Um, Bedford-Stuyvesant neighborhood is is one of our areas where we do um, client projects. I, I've, I've done a joint venture project with the building owner. So right now we're really focusing on um, our our project um, pipeline for clients and just keeping up with, with clients. I mean, everything is shut. So we're not, you know, we're not getting into any new contracts or, or anything of that nature, but just keeping um, keeping the conversation going. And at the same time, a lot of my clients are also investors, developers in New York City. So they have um, the, the desire to want to know about other development opportunities. So I'm always pitching them what I'm doing in, in, in Tioga. Um, and, and, and they're always interested, but, you know, given everything going on, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's just a waiting game of, of when we can get, get back on the street and, and be able to give them a, a tour of what we're doing. Right. Right. Do you think you'll end up doing any single family, uh, row home renovations like you're doing in Bedford and Brooklyn in Philadelphia? I'll tell you that. I've seen your work um, I might yeah. you at some point. <laughs> <laughs> So, right. <laughs> we, we actually did like uh, one of the first projects we worked on is um, I was investing outside and I ran into an issue uh, with uh, GC and uh, brought Rahad in to help finish up a project here in Brewerytown. Um, and we've, we are always actively looking for like okay. projects outside okay. as well. Well, it's it's not know. that we wouldn't do it if it's, um, I think it's more of a uh, client relationship base. Um, if, if there is someone that we have a relationship with, we will, um, we will do a job for them, but we're not commercially actively looking for client work um, just because our resources are really um, tied up with our own projects. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and then it was also one thing that we would do is, um, you know, we, we're always open to helping the residents of Tioga um, with their own properties and projects. So not every project we do, um, we would be an owner on, you know, we, we would be a general contractor for, um, for the neighborhood as well. So essentially, it makes it easier for us to move around and be able to manage multiple projects um, across the board. Right. When you're focused on one area in particular, you're, you can be a little bit more agile about managing projects within, you know, a certain distance of each other. I think Raha touched on an important point, like about the nice town Tioga area and what we're trying to do. We're like, as much as we're trying to build up our potential pipeline of projects, we're also looking to like partner up with existing owners or even to help them like, or even like GC the project with them in that area because 
really what we believe in is a rising tide lifts all boats. Even though we may not have the opportunity to, to buy all the products we want, if we can at least build up that area together, I think that's like the most important thing to us because there's just a lot of uh, vacancy uh, or vacant homes in the area. So I think having initiatives like that where we try to, if an owner doesn't want to sell or if someone doesn't like is wants to build it, but doesn't know how to, there's a lot of great resources, not with, not, not only with us, but in the community, like they have a jumpstart, uh, a nice town Tioga program out there. So it's like, there's this uh, kind of communal atmosphere. I think that's wonderful. I've, I've, ran into a lot of folks who do you know acquisitions for development companies or wholesalers who you know put we buy houses signs up in neighborhoods where there are vacant buildings and that sort of thing and i i do think it's you know as a real estate agent i'm obligated to i'm ethically and and morally obligated aside from being a real estate agent but as as uh as a realtor you know i i have to give the true value of a home to a homeowner when I speak to them and because I'm in development as well, because I understand how it works uh, at scale for an industry, you know, I'll speak to homeowners frequently who are considering selling their houses to a wholesaler. And, you know, I'm like, well, you know, here, here are all of your options. And for some people, it makes a lot of sense to partner with folks like you guys. And instead of just selling their property for maybe a little a profit or maybe just you know enough to help them leave the area or move or whatever uh they can actually you know hold on to that property long term without necessarily investing capital that they don't have um which which is huge and i i think is really important to offer folks in especially in rapidly developing neighborhoods or in places like Tioga where, you know, the income might necessarily, the income uh, demographic may not be as high as center city and the educational background when it comes to real estate development may not be there. They may not have those resources previously. So that's huge. I think that's a, that's a really big deal. Coming from the outside in the amount of homes that are going uh, out for pennies on the dollar because homeowners don't have that yep. financial education is crazy. So like if we as human beings can take that moral obligation, be like, hey, these are the options. Like, like I don't need to eat the whole pie. I just need a slice. So if we can have that mindset, and I think that's more, <laughs> that might be me being Canadian. But like, it's, it's like, I think if we have that, I, I also think that you start to create an atmosphere where development is not seen as this evil thing coming in coming into the community but something yeah, that we all can appreciate the, the sense of building community and knowing that everybody who's in that community has an opportunity has a resource or or um you know a chance to create the fabric in which we're all living and and become part of the development that's happening and feel like they have ownership over you know, the growth of their own community and, and literally what they see every day, you know, and what, and who, where they engage and who they engage with. Mm -hmm. So it's huge. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a big part of it is it's really, it, it really comes down to collaborative planning with the neighborhood stakeholders, with the anchors. Um, we have Crystal Ray high school in the neighborhood. I don't know if you know what Crystal Ray does, but they are a private high school um, that, essentially gives a scholarship um to be able to attend the school so it's, it's a it's a gifted school for the lower income families where they don't have the resources that um other areas or other income brackets has so essentially crystal ray is a big um it's a big addition to the neighborhood because they're also interested in the in the well-being of of a sense of community development so through collaborative planning, design, and and responsive development, we do see that we can um, strengthen the the fabric of the neighborhood. I love it. It seems like there's a ton of people who are really invested in in Philadelphia, and it's nice to hear people doing good things. So so thanks for sharing. Is there anybody in particular that you guys have worked with or have motivated you to really engage with us whether it's family friends or or you know bosses of uh yesteryear 
Um, yeah, I do. One of my mentors um, is actually well. So, it's, so my mentor is the guy I bought the build. I bought the first building from. In there Toyota. you go. Yeah. So he's um, he's actually one of my. Uh, he he started as a client, then he became an investor, and then he became uh, a mentor slash friend. Um, he's a retired ex military, ex cop, ex real estate investor, <laughs> um, and now he's in a yacht in Florida. He's a winter bird, <laughs> so he's he's he, he's living his life, and 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 the best part about him is he he really he's really trying to pass the pass the torch down and he said if i'm if i'm at this stage in of my life at this age you should be able to do it 20 years sooner than i did so that always has inspired me to um to kind of just keep it going and and be able to do something that i can look back in 10 15 years and and be proud of nice and be on a yacht in, in, in 10, 15 years, hopefully. <laughs> Guys, I, you know, I, I have a thing for boats, so I hope I'm invited to your first yacht party. Don't worry, you will be part of it. <laughs> you will be part of it. Well, I think I told you this on the phone earlier right, when we first um, spoke. I remember we had talked about, you know, us being just so young in the city and, and, and essentially you know hopefully you know we all survive all 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 the, all the craziness going on you know we're essentially growing and building the city together and that's what i have seen from my clients in brooklyn i mean these are clients you know we're a second generation family owned and operated company and and the same clients that were in my position like 20 years ago are are now the players that are are essentially sitting on a bunch of equity that they're looking to invest in other markets now. So for us, it's for, for me, it's, it's really just taking that blueprint and creating that in Philadelphia. And we'll look back in, in 20 years and, and we'll, we'll be like, hey, I remember when we were trying to get that first property or, <laughs> or that podcast that we were having during COVID-19. <laughs> we're going to look back at this and it's going to be, hey, I, re- I don't regret a thing that we did. Right. Yeah, I love it. And then for for me, um, like I spent many, I got like with three undergrads and a master's. I thought my life three was undergrads academics, and uh, I was very, <laughs> just in the nerd yeah, of the group. Like, you don't slip know. that in yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I learned everything I know from the guys at Argo, past and present. Um, I watched three people with very little real estate experience just problem solve day in, day out. And I'm very fortunate that I have relations, still have relationships with, uh, with them and keep them up to date of what I'm doing, get their feedback. But really watching people just like, like, I don't know, I grew up in an environment where getting a job, going to school was the only option for me. So when I decided to do this, I, I definitely had something like I relied on them uh, for a lot of support being like, Hey, is this, does this make sense? Does this not make sense? But I think having good people around you is super key uh, for people who don't have access to mentors, like even watching YouTube videos, watching, just getting on networking and uh, building relationships is how you kind of get your foot in the door. And then if I didn't plug my wife in, like I would be a bad husband. But like, I like uh, having a very supportive spouse um, is super key. And I can second. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Raha. No, no, I didn't, no, I didn't no, even no, me to put Raha on the spot. There. I did get. I guess so. I actually moved to Philadelphia um, with my wife after we got married two years ago, and um, I think a, a huge part of just me staying motivated in in everything I do has been my wife. So it's it's very important that. We definitely mentioned that. <laughs> of course. It's yeah, not it's, easy. It's, hard. it's not easy. <laughs> you know, I think real estate is a, from, from my personal experience, I know that real estate can be really challenging, especially in development. There's a lot of circumstances that can come up that you weren't necessarily expecting. And it can change your life drastically, whether it's financially or just time and energy of, you know, working day in and day out, long hours in the office, you know, crunching numbers in the all night, things like that. Um, so it's important to have people around you who can see, see th- the forest through the trees, so to speak, and, and be on the same page. 
Correct. I think it's also amazing that mm-hmm. I've made some good and, uh, like, industry friends as well. Um, just everyone I work with, I, I'm connected through. I mean, I'm part of the BIA, so I've met a lot of people um, in the industry and young professionals. So all of that has really helped um, to really see and stay motivated and, and on track. Yeah, that community feel in the industry is huge. The Building Industry Association had uh, had given me that as well. I, I don't. I think it's been a few years now, but um, when I was at Ruggiero Plant, it's an engineering firm, I chaired the events committee for the Building Industry Association, and that's how I met some of the biggest builders and developers in the area, and and yeah. you know all the the vendors that participate in those development projects, whether it's lawyers or lenders or um, you know, title companies and things like that. So yeah, communities as a business is huge in Philadelphia. I think this might, this is more targeted for anyone who's starting. Honestly, like the way I started, I knew nobody in real estate. I just want, knew that it was an interesting topic. And I just went up on meetup.com and went to as many meetup groups as possible. So for anybody who starts, I also think just like Philly's this kind of cool city where everybody knows everybody. So as long as you're a good person and you want to create value for other people, um, you can navigate pretty efficiently here. So uh, like for me, just having access, like online access, I, I can't imagine what this world, what, how hard it would be for people who were trying to do what I'm doing 20 years ago without access to internet, you know, or like without access to people. So I always am really grateful for like technology, the ability to have like virtual meetups now or to like have social media for even for a Rahad and I to connect over direct message, you know, so stuff like that. I think yeah. we just have to make the most of it. In fact, when I reached out to Justin, I had no intentions of, of pitching him any, uh, any project or any investment opportunity. I was trying to actually get in the door with Argo. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was, I was like, uh, the only person really on social on Argo's team. Uh, Argo had a social media page, but I would die, like show a lot more behind the scenes stuff, uh, for better or for worse. But uh, yeah, and so I think that's how I gained like, like people were watching what I was doing. But yeah, uh, <laughs> Raha was definitely after the meeting. I remember telling him like, "No man, you know that uh, I don't work at Argo anymore." But uh, if you want me to put in a good word, I can put, you, <laughs> put a good word in for you or something it's like that. Funny. Uh, but it worked out. It worked out. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, um, but it, it did. Well, it sounds like you guys have a lot going on. I look forward to following through the years, staying connected, and hopefully I'll have you guys on again in the very near, near future. Maybe we can get some video footage of your projects once they're underway as well. Cool. Awesome. All right. Cool. Thanks for having us, Catherine. Um, hope you stay safe and and hopefully it's over soon. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for hot, Justin. Pleasure having you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Philly Proper. For more podcasts and information about projects mentioned here, be sure to follow me online at phillyproper.com. To reach out to Rahat or Justin, make sure to follow them online at tiogaparkphilly.com. Till next time, I'm Katherine Blessington. Stay safe, Philadelphia.